Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, let me just say it's good to see you, man. You've been a little under the weather. I don't know that I've ever seen you with this much uh, facial hair, though. It's... It's appealing. May, may I say that it's extra handsome? Is that okay? <laughs> you can say that. I don't believe it. And our, our intrepid producer, uh, Andrew Hammond, was claiming that uh, I'm growing a playoff beard for the hockey playoffs. And uh, I hate beards. This could be nothing from the truth. They're scratchy and gross, and I can't wait to shave it off. But I've been sick. And, um, you know, Sean, I think, you know, let's just get this out of the way. I think that this has been a big plan of yours to try to get me sick during the NFL draft so that I know you've been jealous the whole time and you always wanted this to be the Sean Windsor show. Um, forget my name, forget the free press. You, you've always wanted to be the Sean Windsor show and it bothers you that it's my name comes first in the show. So I know this has been, you know, a duplicitous, nefarious plan on your part, but no, I'm not going to miss the podcast. I'm here for the people. Well, those are, uh, those are good words. Of course, I want you. I mean, it's your show. It's the Carlos oh, show. No. Of course, I want. You. I of course I uh, want you to be here. It's not the same without you. Just this, if I could just paint the picture for the listeners real quick too. I mean, aside from my view today, aside from your really sexy beard, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, it's it's marvelous. It's it's going to become a different, uh, like a separate Carlos, right? You're gonna, it's going to be two Carlos's. My other view though is I, I had to change where I normally record from to you know accommodate some. Some uh, some household things, and I don't know if this is happening in your neck of the woods where you live, or maybe Andrew. Not that Andrew's going to talk. It would be nice if he did once in a while. But out in Ann Arbor, um, they don't want us to mow for the whole month of May, right? Because they want the dandelions to grow in the yard because it's good for the bees, and the bees have been struggling a little bit. So I'm looking out at an awful lot of yellow, and uh, you know it is it's sort of nice, but it's not like tulips. They are dandelions, but. Uh, this is the kind of community that's over here, right? Don't mow. And and it's funny, Carlos, because you drive around and occasionally you'll see somebody mowing and people are kind of staring maybe. It's like, oh my God, he's breaking the social order. It's like the whole it's like the whole mask. If you're wearing a mask and people are looking at you. If you're not wearing a mask, people are looking at you. But uh, it's funny. It's uh, That's how it is with the lawnmower right that's, now. That's just beautiful. I'm going to share that with my... With my sister and her and her family who live in Chapel Hill, which is also another, you know, academic, uh, hippy dippy town that loves that. <laughs> They're going to there's going to be an I get guarantee there'll be an initiative in Chapel Hill by the end of the day after they hear about this. Yeah, it's a, it's it is all a little precious. Hey, I, I look, we need bees. I know bees are important. So I guess you try to to do your part. But uh, look, I'm glad you're feeling well enough to do this. You sound you sound good. Um I think we have a good we have a good show today. There's uh, there's a lot to talk about. Some of it uh, maybe not so fun. I don't know. Although you probably like uh, this kind of fun when you get to get to rip and in, rip into somebody. I mean the Tigers are really struggling. I'm going to talk about that. And then we got two. Well, we just had one draft lottery in the NHL and the Wings, and we're about to have another one with the uh, NBA and the Pistons. We'll we'll talk about both of those things. Um, 
uh, let me just say real quick, I, I assume you saw the news that Bob Lanier uh, died uh, late Monday night, or Tuesday night, Tuesday night, I guess. Long-time Pistons uh, center, all-NBA all player, Hall of Fame player, who uh, who I didn't get to see play much as a Piston. I remember him more as a Milwaukee Buck when he played on some really good playoff teams with Marcus Johnson and and uh, and, and some of those guys in their battles against, uh, I want to say the Celtics, but... But the thing that I remember most about Bob Lanier is in the movie Airplane, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in the is in the cockpit and the and the little guy comes in, the, the little boy comes into the cockpit and, <laughs> and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar starts, uh, you know, because he the little boy's talking about his dad, right, and how he you know is maybe a fan of Bob Lanier. I can't remember the whole context, but anyway, Kareem says. Why don't you try dr- dragging Bob Lanier's butt up and down the court all night? Lanier was a big, physical, imposing center and so that when I hear Bob Lanier's name other than the fact that he was so beloved within the NBA people refer to him as a general giant that's what I think of is Kareem complaining about having to compete against him <laughs> in the movie airplane the line the line I, I've watched that a million times the line is hey why don't you get your dad to drag Lanier and um Walton you know up and down the court for <laughs> for 60 minutes yeah, or whatever, 40 yeah, minutes yeah. And, yeah, that's uh, he was like, yeah, my, my dad likes you, but he says you don't try very hard until the playoffs. It was just, that, just yeah, delicious. That's what, yeah, yeah, that, that's what. Oh, th- th- thanks for using the word delicious to describe something you don't eat. I, I, I <laughs> that's very Hollywood esque. I, I appreciate it, but then you're kind of Hollywood, aren't you? It's my hometown, man, Hollywood land. You, you know what? You know, I just figured it out. It, okay, this is another reference. Look, man, we're dating ourselves, I guess, but. An airplane. I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of young people don't know that movie. I don't think, but I just figured out who you look like. Adrian Gurnier, the star of Entourage. That's what you got going today. Oh wow! Yeah, and okay. Our, and our producer's nodding his head in agreement. So do you? I I I, I agree. <gasps> That's awesome, Andrew. Are you speaking, Andrew? Well, no, my mom listens to the podcast now that I'm the uh, intrepid producer. And so um, she's kind of made fun of the fact that I haven't talked either. So hi, mom. We're going to get Anjanette's going to be mad. Oh, what? okay. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Andrew's mom. This isn't a couple of white guys keeping, keeping right? It's, that's not it. <laughs> I'm glad you, I'm glad, I'm glad you spoke. That's, that's, that's awesome, man. All right, Carla. All right, Carla. I'll go away now. No, no. Step in whenever you want to. We are... now. Now, on Jeanette's got to pay the talent bonus to to Andrew, so she's not going to be happy. It's be about happy. time. Oh yes. Oh, on yes. Jeanette is so high up in the chain now that she she doesn't listen to this podcast anymore. She doesn't care. You know what I mean? Or ha- or have t- or have time. Do you think she has a minion who does it for her and writes her like extensive reports, like transcribes the whole thing for her and says, Ms. Delgado, this is what, these are the worry points and the, you know, things where we may have to like check or, or change. That's my job. That's your job. Oh, so you're her minion. But, but, but there's no worries. So we're good. Okay. Okay. All right. Listen. uh, All right, Carlos, have at the Tigers, man. Tell, Tell us what is going on. Or not, or not going on. I mean, they, I know they uh, split. They finally won a game. They beat the Oakland A's, what, six to nothing. They had a few hits. I don't remember the last time they scored six runs. This was on Tuesday, and then they lost the second part of the doubleheader. And again, I think got blanked. Lost, what, two nothing. But uh, overall, this is just, I think people are so disappointed, Carlos, because the expectation wasn't super high, but people were hopeful they'd be at least competitive and entertaining. 
and um, they're nowhere near that. What, what what's going on, my man? Well, you know, you're not going to believe this, of course, but I'm going to be a small, slight beacon of hope here, okay? Because, yes, it's been disappointing. Um, the big thing has been just they're they're hitting. They haven't been hitting, especially without power. They're they're I think they're the last team in home runs uh, in the majors. Um, you know, and they've got off to just a terrible start, nine and twenty-one after that doubleheader with the A's, um, and. But here's the thing, Sean. Here's the here's the hope for the people is the the general philosophy about spring training is that uh, uh, p- pitching has the upper hand early, and then the hitters catch up as spring training goes. And because of the the delayed spring training and all that, because of the lockout, and then I think it's I think it's pushed over into the regular season because the power numbers are down across Major League Baseball with home runs. Um, so I think it's taking hitting a little while to catch up. And it's true of the league, and it's true of the Tigers. And the Tigers are, you know, obviously not a great team. They're, they were hopefully a playoff team. I think, I don't know if you picked them to make the playoffs. Um, I picked them not to make the playoffs in our preseason pre- predictions. But um, and it, if you think of the number, the threshold being 90 wins to get to the playoffs, um, it's dangerous, but I did a little math. Sports editors doing math usually doesn't end well, but so they're nine and twenty-one after that doubleheader. They're gonna have to go eighty-one and fifty-one the rest of the way. That's uh, winning at a six-fourteen clip, uh, winning percentage. It, it, it can be done. Uh, you see some of the better teams right now doing better than that, but to do that for the whole season is gonna be uh, really asking a lot of the Tigers because they're gonna get injuries they're going to have you know issues they may get some players back they may get Riley Green at some point uh but you see that and you see Spencer Torkelson he's really struggling you know um there was some hope for some power early but it's just this is just still a growing team and I think they're going to get a little bit better as the summer comes and as the numbers get better and the ball travels farther in the warmth but you know it's disappointing but not shocking it shouldn't be shocking did you? What happened to you when you got when you fell under the weather a little bit? Did you get gain a new philosophy on life? I mean, I, where is this coming from? Where is this? You, you act like I'm just diving in the dumpster the whole time. I'm just like angry out there and like ah, oh my god. Like I write, I write one negative comment about the Lions in like a month. Like oh my god, he's so negative. No, 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 no. You're right. Overall, your 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 compass has been. You know, reorient itself for a while, and maybe it was just you being in Allen Park. You fell back into old habits. Maybe it's just the the, the vibe, the way the air smells over there. I don't know. And it's, it's the dandelions. It's, yeah, I've been it, driving it, through my neighborhood. It's the dandelions, and so you had a little, you had a little setback. No, you. Did, in fairness to you, you did write about moral victories and all that sort of thing a couple of weeks ago with the Tigers. You didn't want to give up hope then. That's nice that you're being consistent. Don't want to give up hope now. As our uh, as our esteemed editor Ryan Ford, who's our also doubles as our baseball guru, right? Who's just uh, oh, he doubles as our hockey guru, our Big Ten guru, you name it. No, he's a walking encyclopedia. Does he does he do editing actually, Andrew? Do, do you know that? Do you know does Ryan actually is he actually an editor? Do you he yes, he does. He actually does, and he's he's uh, you know not that we want to go down this rabbit hole, but I just want to say this about Ryan. He is a fabulous word editor, and. Um, and kind of an old school editor, and and makes you better, and uh, and I love that about him. But in any case, his his second life is this. I don't want to say numbers guy because that kind of limits it a little bit. But he he did some math the other day, and 
we were talking about the same, I guess, similar math to what you've done, looking at what they, the clip they'd have to win at. And he pointed out that it's basically how the Minnesota Twins have been kind of winning this season. So I guess that's doable. The other part, though, that, that may make Tiger fans feel a little bit better is if they can win at the clip, close to the clip, uh, or a little bit above the clip they won last summer for the last six, eight weeks, right? When they, when they you know, when they climbed up. So, I, you know, I, I hear you, Carlos. I just, some of these guys are hitting below their averages that they've established for several years. And in baseball, probably more than any other sport, that, that matters, right? You know, unless somebody starts to get to a certain age and they just, they just fall off. So you can assume some of those guys. With Torkelson, he's not going to keep hitting 150 or whatever he is, right? With, with, with no power. You would think that he will eventually adjust to the off-speed stuff. I think that's... That's generally the biggest leap, right, Carlos, for young guys coming up to the majors is handling the off-speed stuff. And not just the off-speed stuff, kind of figuring out when, getting a better idea of when something is coming so you can prepare a little bit better. I mean, learning the learning the uh, the trickery of pitchers a little bit more. I mean, that just takes time, no? All right, so Sean, you know, being a, I'm, you're an amateur Jim Leland aficionado, so I don't know if he did this to you or not, but... When Brandon Inge, for instance, was struggling and we'd ask about him, he'd be in a slump, he'd go, Leland would grab for the media guide and point out his stats, you know, over the last six, seven, eight years, whatever it was, and basically telling us, like, his averages, he'll he'll reach his averages. He'll come back to that point. It'll level off. But with rookies, you know, someone like Torkelson, we don't have that, you know, history. Um, he hasn't had that time to, to, to put up those averages. So... You know, you're right that it's uh, you know it's the off-speed stuff, it's the breaking stuff, it's how pitchers you know they're coming at him. As much as much film study as you can do, it's different when you're in the box and you're facing 88 mile an hour sliders, you know, in the corner. Um, so, you know, I think that I think that uh, it's going to be harder to say what's going to happen with Torkelson and Riley Green when he gets here. You know, I think Riley Green is you know the one thing with Torkelson is his defense has been very good. Um, when Riley Green gets here, I think that defense will be it'll be better. That'll help. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't worry too much. I mean, I think they'll think, they think the Tigers are going to catch up. You know, these guys, the you know the Meadows numbers, the power numbers, Baez's you know average, Candelario, and those. By the way, there was a there was a good moment in that first game of the doubleheader against the A's, and this kind of I think it's kind of the the illustrative part of baseball is. You know, they're winning, I think it's 3 nothing or something late in the game, seventh inning, I think, and uh, base is loaded, and Candelario's up there, and I think it was two outs maybe, and full count, and he chases a ball out of the strike zone. He just pokes it out into center field, and it's a three-run single. It, hit, it finds the gap, and he chased, he chased ball four, but... He get, just got some of that, you know, baseball luck. It went to the right place. He got a double out of it. Three runs. They win, I think, 6 nothing that game. Um, and that's what the Tigers need. They're gonna, they need a little bit of luck here. And they're, they're not doing bad things, you know. It's not like they're – other than, you know, Javier, Javier Baez just swings three times when he gets up there. He's going to swing three times whether he hits the ball or not. But, but everybody else has – they've shown good discipline. It just hasn't gone the right way for them sometimes. Um, so they'll be better. Are they going to be, you know, 61 and 51 or 81 and 51 better? Uh, that's going to be hard for a whole, like you said, can they play at the clip they did last year in the last few weeks, six, seven weeks? 
yeah, you got to do that for how many months now? You know, you got like four months left. It's it's going to be a tough sledding to do it that long. But uh, but I think they'll I think they'll level off. They'll, they'll they'll warm up a little bit. You know, just the law of averages are gonna they're bound to play a little bit better. Well, I I would agree with that. You know, to to the to the degree that they're gonna get into contention, I don't I don't see that. I just think. I think too coming off of last year, right? The the start they had last year, and then the finish they had last year, and then the signings they had in the off season, the trade the trade they made for Meadows at the Austin Meadows, who by the way I refer to as Austin Matthews. I had hockey on the brain, and you don't I, even know who Austin Matthews and, is. And a column the other day, and um, notice your sons play your sons play NHL uh, twenty two. That's no, right, no, right? no, NBA, no. And, and that's and, he's on the cover. That's no, you and know and I and I noticed. In the bottom of the column, I referred to him as Matthews a few times, so I fixed that, but didn't go back up at the top and and fix that. I was talking to our editor Kirkland. God, you hate having brain cramps like that, Carlson. You because because it's the kind of error that you 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 can't fix because your brain is telling you it's right. Like, oh, Austin Matthews. Okay, yeah, that's Austin Matthews. But it's supposed to be. He said he, Kirkland, or, or the Free Press Sports Editor, said he makes that mistake sometimes with Moritz Sider. In fact, in conversation the other day, he referred to him as Moritz uh, uh, Wagner, who played basketball at Michigan. Mo Wagner, yeah. And I said, yeah, wait, nice. you just said, I said, you just said Wagner. He said, I did. Oh, my God. So the, the, so when you when you transpose or when you, when you mix a name up like that, your brain doesn't catch it. And then, of course, readers are like, hey, idiot, look at you, you know. You you made this mistake. Most of the reader, I had I had several emails about it, and most of them were were kind and fun. But uh, but a couple of them used that that brain cramp you have is uh, to say overall you have nothing to offer, which is probably true. <laughs> they they don't they don't need an error. They don't need an error to confirm that. But no, I think um, with the Tigers, real quick, it's just I think it's really really deflating. I think that's what's what's out there right now because again. Nobody thought they were going to go win the World Series, and I'm sure most people didn't even think they were going to get to the playoffs. But the way they're losing, it's it's the the lack of hitting. The, there's no activity on the base pass. It's just it's not fun to watch, right? And loss after loss after loss, and, and it just it's uh, it's demoralizing for fans. And I feel for them a little bit. And putting this in the larger picture, real quick, and we can talk about this again in the next segment because when we start getting into the lotteries a little bit. Because I think it, it's related, but if you put this in the larger picture, Carlos, this is the first time in at least what half a decade that we've had a team. Maybe if you fool yourself uh, with the lines a little bit, but where, where there's a team in this one of the four major teams here, four major pro teams, where people have thought they might actually be competitive, and I'm really looking forward to this season. And so, I think people had forgotten what that feels like a little bit, and then to have that just fall off. You know, I mean, now are people going to be, well, okay, I was thinking about the Lions too, but I'm not going to get burned again. No way. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, you're right. I mean, there was uh, it, and I think the Tigers are unique because the fans have been waiting for so long for Chris Illich to spend some money, you know, and he finally did a little bit on Baez and, you know, um, going after Meadows. Um, Matthews. Matthew, yeah, Austin Matthews too. Can you imagine if they had Austin Matthews? Um, and that 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 was the hope, right? Is we've turned a corner. We have AJ Hinch. You know, he knows what he's doing. Blah blah blah. And then it's kind of the Charlie Brown. You know, the football's been you know pulled out from under them. Um, I don't blame them. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been hard to watch the losing, but you know, it's also, and I don't want to excuse too much, but they've played some pretty good teams. They've, they've had to go out on the road to play the Dodgers and then, you know, the Astros. It's not like they've been, you know, getting thumped by the Reds at home or something like that. Um, so, and no, but they just, they've lost two or three as we record, they've lost two or three to Oakland. One of the worst teams in baseball. Right? Yeah, so. but, you know, Mark Kotze is their manager and he played at Cal State Fullerton. So he knows what he's doing. He's scrappy. He knows, you know, he's. I mean, they they got shut out by a first time rookie who made his debut Tuesday night, right? I mean, that's just, it's it's that kind of stuff. Look, we, we we don't want to belabor it, and we got we want to move on to the lottery stuff, Carlos. But uh, I appreciate your hope. Um, I hope that that will carry over into all other aspects of life. I think uh, I think along with the beard, this is a great look for you, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. In the meantime, let's take a quick break. And we'll be right back with more uh, Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. I'm Alyssa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. God, Carlos, sometimes I think we should record what we talk about during the break. That would be, I think it would make for a much better podcast. I hear hookers and cocaine and all this tossed around and talking about you're talking about the the Los Angeles uh, Lakers series on HBO, and you know we might we, we might have to reconsider what we're doing for this podcast. You know what I mean? Anjanette has her finger right over the dis- self destruct button for this podcast the whole time, Sean. She just she's just looking for an excuse to press that sucker. So we don't need to give her one, okay? I'm the, I'm the self destruct button. Are you the plant? You're her you're her tool. Okay, wow, no, but yeah, if if something happens. Then I'm the one who gets destructed. So, you know, watch out for my feelings. Yeah, you want to get Andrew fired? Come on, Sean. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. It's not the it's not the Sean Windsor experience like Joe Rogan or something. No, no, it's not. It's the Carlos Menares show. It should be. It that it's that that has a nice ring to it. I like it. It does have a nice ring to it. It does have a, a nice ring to it. I think I think that's uh I mean, yeah, you don't need my name at all. No. Although you're, you know what's nice about your name is it's nice and simple. Everybody gets your name. Like my name, if we're ever at press conferences, it's Monarez, it's uh, Jeff Seidel, it's Dave Burkett. It's like everybody finds a way to screw up everybody else's name. But but your name, Sean Windsor, it's so, it's so just uh, patrician, you know? So well, I'm, no, no, formal. but I'm very simple. My, I'm very simple myself. By the way, is Monarez German? Is that is that the uh, is that where the authoritarianism comes it's from? It's Yugoslavian, but no. Okay, okay. It's Basque. Come on, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> from the mountains. Although my you wife hates it that I, I always say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm from my people are from the Basque country of uh, Spain, you know, France, the Pyrenees." And every time I make like uh, crescent rolls, like Pillsbury, I'm like, you know, I make them well because my people, my French, the French side of me is like has bakery in it. You know, we have baking jeans, and she gets mad that I'm just totally making it up. She gets mad. Okay. Well, I'm sure she gets mad a lot, right? Yeah, she lives with me. Of course she does. 
Well, but with the beard, she's probably going to get mad a lot less. You know, so I was hoping a... you'd say I, I look more like a Latino um, Chris Hemsworth. Really? Like a I didn't short, know you, I, short-haired Thor. What do you think? I didn't know you were Latino, though, so I guess that would well, be, you know, for, for me to make that comment. I'll make how, it about just, how about this? You look like Chris Hemsworth. Oh. We don't need to, we don't need to <laughs> specify, you know, where, where your people are from on this planet, right? <laughs> we'll just say you look like Chris, Chris <laughs> a Latino Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> oh, Oh my God! Oh, dude, we got to get back. Aunt Jeanette's uh, having a; she's going apoplectic right now. We, we gotta. <laughs> I could we, just hear her listening to this, driving home, pounding her dashboard like these idiots won't say anything interesting. I know. So let's talk about the lottery. That'll be like a metaphorical edible for her. She can come. She can. <laughs> she can. She can calm down a little bit. So we got two lotteries. We just had one Tuesday night for the Wings for the sixth year in a row, Carlos. The wings did not move up from their uh, their spot. You know, you, you get slotted in the lottery you're, uh, based on your record, and then you get in there and you have, you know, more ping balls if you have more losses or whatever, and so the odds change. But in any case, six years in a row they haven't moved up, uh, Carlos. They started eighth Tuesday night. That's where they're going to pick his eighth. Um, at least that's some improvement. That's the second year in a row, actually. They didn't fall in the four previous years before last year. They had fallen. So, but I would I would uh, posit to you real quickly before we get into the NBA draft, the Wings have kind of made their own luck a little bit the, these last few lotteries. You know, we don't know last year quite as much when they picked number six and picked uh, Simon Edvinson. Edvinson, am I if I'm am I saying that right? A big defenseman who's over the Swedish league and whose coaches using words like prodigy and this is the best defenseman I've best defenseman I've seen in twenty years. You can check out uh, Helena St. James, our, our terrific Red Wings writer. She she's written a lot of good stuff on him, and just in, in the prospects in general. But, but what do what do you think, Carlos? I mean, have have the Wings kind of made their own luck a little bit here with uh, the the players they found the last few years, despite not moving up in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think they've done a good job. You know, obviously they you know they've got Mo Sider and they've got Lucas Raymond and. You know they've had they've had some 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 good players come through. You know, and that's you can't you can't just say if we don't get the top one or two players, that's it, that's it. We're not going to be you know if that's what you're hoping for. You know, just don't be a GM. Don't you know you have no business if you can't find guys you know in the later rounds who will be developmental guys and contribute in some way. You know, you have to find these people. Um, you know, so I, I don't I think it's a cop out. You know, and and you know I'm a half glass half full guy. I'm not a half empty guy like you, Sean. So I didn't look at it as for the sixth straight year, they didn't move up. Like, Hey, they stayed where they were supposed to. They had like only like a 6% chance of getting the number one pick or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I'm okay with that. And I don't think this year has any great, you know, your boy, Connor McDavid in it. You know, it doesn't have some, uh, there's no, uh, generational talent that, that they should be, you know, that they're missing out on by not having the number one pick. And by the way, this will be this will be coming up later in this segment on my my favorite thing. But guess what? Even having two of the best players in NHL, you know, number one pick, number three pick, back to back years. Guess what? The Oilers are still losing to the Kings. You know, so it doesn't. It's not just oh, we have the best players. That's it. It's hockey. Hockey's different that way. You know, you just there's there's the guys are you know they're 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 playing in shifts. You know, there's weird bounces. There's strategy. There's there's defense, there's goalies, there's there's all kinds of ways to to mitigate, you know, what a great player can do. You know, yeah, you get enough really good players. I mean, when 
when Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Dreisaitl are on the ice together, it's just almost unfair. It's like it's like having uh, you know uh, uh, Thanos and Thor on the same team or whatever. You know, it's like insane. Just it's it's tough to beat, but they can't be on the ice together all the time. So you have to construct a whole a whole team. You know, holistic team. Um, so yeah, they made their own luck, and I think Eiserman's done a really good job of drafting, filling in the holes. Um, you know, he hasn't been perfect, but yeah, there's guys in the pipeline and there's going to be more to come, you know, picking eighth, you're still going to have your shot at, at someone who's, you know, pretty damn good. No, for sure. And this is, and this is what I contend. I think this is true in, in, in all the sports that have a draft. I, I just, there's luck in terms of the lottery and a ping pong. Yeah, you get it. You know, some teams you, you move up, right? You, you, you slot in at seven and you end up with the number one pick or whatever. And, um, you know, last year the, the Pistons were, what, third and moved up to one, I think. I mean, that was that was a, a big deal. And they ended up getting a great player in Cade Cunningham. But I, I feel like, and I think, the, I think the numbers and the stats, even, even the stories back this up, there's luck with the ping pong ball. And then there's luck in just who you pick. Because even, because even the best scouting and projection and all that, and some teams are better, and I understand there are degrees of that. But even the best teams and even the best general managers and in, in, in the savviest scouting departments still need a little bit of luck in projecting an 18-year-old and how they're going to end up, especially in hockey. It's, baseball is similar that way. Baseball is really difficult to figure out. You know, we're talking about Spencer Torkelson earlier, right? He may end up being a great hitter. We still don't know, right? I mean, you, you can look at certain things, and if, if you, people that know a whole lot more about baseball and the baseball swing and the mechanics – and all of that, and the, and the psych, psychological aspects of hitting, who will know a lot more than we do, can break down and say, yeah, he's going to be this and this. But even they don't know, right, when it gets right down right. to it. So so you do have to have some luck in who you pick and hoping that they sort of outplay even your projections. And, um, and you know, maybe fans want to think or some fans want to think uh, you know it's all about the general manager it's all about this you, you don't want to it's it's you know how we are in life sometimes you don't want to think well something that i love so much or something i identify so much with can come down to randomness you were talking about hockey and 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 you didn't say puck luck but right you're right Connor mcdavid Connor mcdavid is the most electrifying player in hockey to come along come around in the last 20 years there's never been anybody even ever quite like him he, he's breathtaking to watch but what does it matter that's that's my thing about hockey and I think Andrew would maybe even unmute his mic to agree that hockey is maddening that way the best teams often don't win right maybe like, like, like look at the president's cup curse I mean it's what 22 I, th- I was reading something like the last 24 25 years only like barely Six or seven teams have actually won the Stanley Cup the same year that they won the President's Cup. I mean, hockey is chaotic. It is. I mean, I was watching something yesterday on the Blackhawks dynasty, basically why they maybe should have won more cups in the you know time span that they had, but they were one of the best teams in, I want to say, 2016, 2017, and got swept. Like, that... It happens. The way that well that happened to the that happened to the Wings. They won the Presidents Cup in '95. I want to say and got swept by the New Jersey Devils. And the, no, they it, they did make the Stanley Cup Finals. But you're right, Andrew. It's it's really amazing. I was thinking about this with uh, with McDavid and hockey. You have an electrifying talent like that, and I wonder sometimes if it's 
if as much randomness or is in that sport, you're right, Carlos. I mean, goaltending um, and and defense and the strategy of figuring out your lines and who's on the ice when and who's on the ice with who. But you wonder if a player like Sidney Crosby ultimately has more because of the, the the nature of the game and the passing, and it's it feels like that that kind of talent ripples out. Whereas McDavid's a, a singular force, uh, you know, w- ripping down the ice. Whereas somebody like Crosby might be uh, bringing more people with him. So I I don't know. I mean, this is oh just no, a, McDavid's this is just McDavid's a great passer. I mean, he gets every. I mean, it's he he loves nothing more. Then spinning around, charging, flying in from the neutral zone, spinning around, getting two guys on him and passing it off to Drysaddle or, or Yamamoto or whoever it might no, be. No, but not just, not no, not just passing, but ma- manipulating, uh, manipulating the ice. I mean, a little bit more manipulating the the, the players around and the way you move and setting things up and the patience. You know, kind of like what Nicholas Lidstrom did defensively for so for so long behind the blue line. But you just you just wonder. If somebody like Crosby, players like that, bring more people with them. So maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I know Pittsburgh had a lot of other incredible talent when they were winning cups. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. That I think McDavid also. I mean, the the thing with McDavid is, you know, he's like a he's like a jackhammer uh, machete going down the ice. Everybody's scared of him, so he sets up a lot. Of, it's like driving to the hoop, right? If you have somebody who can, you know, drive the lane. But he can dish it off at the last second. You know that sets up a lot of stuff. So that's it. It does. It does. But it's not quite as valuable as LeBron, who brings it up. I mean, he can. Yeah, he can. Now he's both. Like he could go down like McDavid and 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 yam on somebody. But he can also come up very methodically and orchestrate the whole the whole basketball court. And I think ultimately that is a little bit more valuable. I don't know how we got into this discussion. Because we were talking about lottery and the lottery luck, but you wanted to bring up the fact that hockey's not really a sport because you just—it's random who wins and not the best. You know, the best talent doesn't win, so maybe the draft doesn't matter at all. So okay, good, we've established that. What about the Pistons next week, uh, Tuesday night? I want to say the NBA. Do you think that they? I know this is speculation, cause, but tell me, they're going to get the number one pick again? They have the—they're in the third spot. They have an equal chance with Houston, Orlando, get the number one pick. I don't think they'll pick worse than I want to say seventh, but uh, what do you think? Are we are we going to look at back to back years of number one? Yeah, you know I think it's going to happen. I think the Pistons are going to get the number one pick, and they're going to pick the best player. They're going to get Scotty Barnes. They're going to get Evan Mobley. So yeah, it's going to work out for the Pistons. Really, you think so? Yeah. So they're going to make a trade. What's no, because what's, this, yeah, this what, number one pick thing sometimes is it's it's you know. It, it, it's who you value sometimes. And I don't think, I don't know if there's anybody in this draft like there wasn't last. I mean, I guess Cade was the consensus number one pick, but not, but yeah, but not, but not, not by a lot. Not like norm. Yeah, no. And uh, this year, the same thing, right? It's everybody. It's a, is it Paolo? Is it Chet? Is it, you know, nobody, you know, we, when we had the Pistons Pulse guys on, you know, they were, they, you know, we're going, he was naming everybody that could fit. Um, but, yeah, it's it's who do you pick and and you know, hey, let's not forget Michael Jordan, right? He was not the number one, he was what, three, right? So uh you know, it's who who fits for you. They're gonna get a really good pick in the what's the worst they can pick, right? They can't fall farther than what? Seven. Seven. Yeah. 
you're gonna get a, like the wings are gonna get a great player so uh now and i don't know if it depends do you feel you need that chet holmgren big guy and you know to help kate out or whatever it is that you're missing that presence uh down low whatever but help the defense i don't know i mean it depends on what your what troy weaver and you know what their strategy is as far as putting that you know more pieces together for the team but uh i i don't I don't, I don't. I doubt they're going to get number one pick, right? What are the odds? Someone, Ryan Ford, or maybe Andrew's already worked out the odds of what is it to get the number one pick back to back years. I don't know the odds, um, but I do know. Come on, that you just said you were a nerd. What okay, I, I I am a nerd, but it's one of those things where like I would have to look that up, and I want to say back to back years. It was in uh, maybe Cleveland did it back to back years. Um, yeah, you know, where they had the, where they had the number one pick in in, in back to back seasons, but it look I I don't know I I guess if they get the number one pick again, there's a lot of directions you can go. Um, I'm just trying to figure out like in terms of what would be the best fit for this franchise because it's not like you know you 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 have one guy one year and you have another guy the second year and you can go okay fine let's you know let's full speed ahead this feels kind of weird i don't know about you guys but it just feels kind of weird it's like you don't have the you still need more pieces but what direction do you go in with your lottery pick which is going to be 1 through 7 like what direction do you go in in terms of how that puzzle piece fits that's that's my biggest worry when it, well, when it comes to to this. Yeah, no, and, and that's a good point, Andrew. I, look, Carl said they're going to get a great player. Not necessarily. I mean, they had the seven pick two years ago, and they took Killian Hayes. And it's too soon to say he's gonna what he's going to be. Right? He's played basically one one full years worth of games in two seasons because of injuries. But I I, I don't he's I don't see an all NBA player in his future. I I think we can all agree on that, right? He he may end up being a, a very a, a valuable piece, a solid role player, and that sort of thing, and and that's fine. But he was picked at seven, so there's no guarantee. I mean, again, you need the luck. I, I think what this is what we could say with both these lotteries: the Wings and the Pistons have a chance to add, you know, with a little bit of luck, to add a really good player again, and that both are building something. And uh, you know, look, I don't blame fans for not wanting to get too carried away with either of these uh, teams, whatever, if you love bas- basketball or hockey, you know, especially with what's going on with the Tigers. But um, but there is a little bit of uh, foundation building here, and it's kind of it's kind of fun. So with, we'll see what happens with these two lotteries. What we can say for sure, Carlos, is that they have the opportunity to add uh, a potentially really good player, both these squads. Who makes the playoffs first, the Wings or the Pistons? That's a great question. Uh, I, w- I would say the, you know what, the way the wings played Carlos this past year before they fell off, they were not, they were just a couple of games out and the Pistons didn't sniff anything. Now maybe they take a leap and Cunningham becomes, you know, Luca, Luca light this next year. And they had, you know, we'll see what Weaver does in free agency. That's possible, but I don't know. The East is so tough right now. I, I'm going to say the wings, you got a new coach coming in. Maybe they recapture a little bit of what they what they showed the first part of the year. I know the soft schedule is a little softer, as Eisenman pointed out, is a year impressor. But what, who do you think? Who do you got, Andrew? Wings, because I, I look at it like this: they had the 
month or 30 day span from hell that basically led us to this point. And besides from, besides that, they were actually competitive. They were playing well. There were times watching the Pistons this year where you would see them against the bottom half of the league and you would wonder just how bad is this team. So I'm going to, you know, take the the team that's either at least closer to a playoff discussion. So give me the wings. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the wings are <clears throat> you got to figure that Eiserman I, I, you got to figure he's known who he's wanted to hire for a long time. He doesn't he doesn't pull the trigger on Blashill unless he knows exactly who he wants to hire. Maybe he doesn't get him, you know. But I think he has a strong idea. I got that sense in the I don't know if you got that Sean in the in the season ending presser of like I'm going to make this list and I'm going to listen to people and almost playfully teasing us of and if you guys have any suggestions, you know, I'll read what you have. You know, like yeah, you're not reading what Sean Windsor is going to recommend for hockey coaches, but no, well, I, no, 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 no. I would say he probably has a couple of couple of guys, right? Yeah, a couple of maybe maybe three. Yeah, and that he wants, he's going to want to go. Yeah. yeah. So if he has the right guy and like, hey man, you know, he knows exactly the players he has, the system that they can run. Um, he's going to be, you know, and this is a big deal for Eiserman. You know, he's got a, it's his first chance to hire a coach for the wings and, you know, Blashell didn't do a bad job, but this is going to be his guy. Um, and it's a chance to really make his mark on this franchise. And the team is not, they're not that far away. There are promising parts. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, although it'd be great. It'd be awesome if they were both in contention. I mean, that'd be really fun to watch. And you could just see, you know, like, you know, Chet whipping it or uh, Kate whipping it down to, to Chet down low and the dunk and whatever. And, you know, that'd be, it'd be fun to see the Pistons get that place going again. No, they, and they had a competitive stretch too. It's just, it was a shorter, it was a shorter stretch where you're thinking, and, and yeah, with, with Cunningham and, and he was Martin hurt early Beck, I mean, too. They, that didn't help, you know, and, no, and and Bagley's a nice addition, and we'll see what they do with the with the off season. But still, the East is really good, and basketball is weird. I mean, that it's you could a, a, one more player can really really change the fortunes, and that's a little bit different from hockey in that way. Although maybe unless it's a goalie, but but uh, so it could it could you know they could be something we just haven't seen overnight. That does happen, but um, but I'm with you on the wings. All right, let's take a, a quick. Quick break. Uh, Andrew would like that so he can slot in some cell promotion stuff for the free press. Anjanette would probably like that. Or some, you know, some sponsors. That sort of stuff. Uh, that's all important. And um, we'll come back and we'll listen to Carlos's favorite thing because it is the Carlos Menard Show. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press. And now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. 
So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos Menares. Um, <laughs> I am no longer part of the marquee. Not that I've ever been part of the marquee, and, that, and that's good. I don't necessarily want to be part of the marquee. I just want to defer to Carlos. How about this? How about this? Maybe maybe Andrew will be okay with this. The Carlos and Anjanette show. <laughs> I mean, that's really. I think that's really what she's been pushing for this whole time. Anyway. Well, Anjanette is uh, that, comes first because it's alphabetical. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think that's great. All right, it's time for the the favorite thing, Carlos. What you got? All right, so this is uh, my favorite thing. Is uh, as I mentioned it earlier, is the Stanley Cup playoffs have started, Sean. And this is uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year. I love all playoffs. I'll watch any playoff, anything. But uh, hockey, baseball too. I love baseball and hockey specifically. Those those are my two favorite playoff sports. But hockey, you know, I grew up a Nelly Kings fan, and the Kings had not been in the playoffs since 2018. They were rebuilding, so I feel everybody's pain in Detroit. I understand it. Um, the wings, the Kings have been very good. They'd won two playoff or two Stanley Cups in the early part of the 2010s, 12 and 14, and then they went through this uh, rebuild. And um, it was hard to see the, the the good the old players who'd led them to those cups go, the Jeff Carters and those kind of players. And um, so they've gotten back into the playoffs, and they're going against your your mighty Edmonton Oilers uh, with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and all these kind of guys. And the Oilers uh, and the wing and the Kings, I keep saying the wings and the Kings um, had this beautiful, beautiful rivalry uh, back when they were in the Smythe division back in the 80s and 90s. And back then you had to play out of your division in the playoffs. So it's, you know, it's like you're you're playing the Cleveland Indians or the White Sox, you know, coming right out of the, the Guardians, I'm sorry, coming right out of the playoff, the, the regular well, season. No, no, no. So it's, it's always... Add, add this. Can I interrupt? I hate to interrupt. Add this. It'd be sure. like Michael Jordan going from Chicago to play for Cleveland with Wayne Gretzky going from Edmonton to play for the Kings, right? Yeah, yeah, with Gretzky at the time, yeah. I mean, the, um, the, the best player ever going, switching sides in a rivalry. But even before that, before Gretzky was a king and even after he was a king and all that, you know, there was just this great animosity between the teams that you don't get anymore because now you they're seated by the through the conference, just like basketball. So, uh, And they hadn't played each other in the playoffs since 92, I think it was. So it had been like 30 years since they played each other. And it was just this great old school hatred of each other and animosity right from the first puck drop. And um, and nobody, you know, my friends in L.A., nobody really expected the Kings. They just got into the playoffs this year. You know, the Oilers are, you know, a higher seed, better team, home, home ice advantage. Your boy, McCon- uh, Connor McDavid, and then Leon Dreisaitl and these guys. And they're bigger, faster, stronger um, they're a really good team. And somehow, Sean, uh, as we're recording this, the, they played game five in Edmonton and the Kings beat the Oilers in overtime to take a 3-2 lead. I don't know how they're doing this. I, I, I watched this game and this is the thing that's great about hockey, which you hate probably because you just want it to go pro forma just the way it's supposed to go in basketball, you know, one to 100 by twos and, you know, the team with the best draft picks wins. So that's that's how you want it to go. But in hockey... There's a lot of strategy. There's yes, there's some luck involved, 
but the Kings have done a great job of neutralizing McDavid by clogging up the neutral zone. By by the way, yeah, that's a, that's a great strategy. That's a it great is a great strategy. strategy. Just pack it in, pack it all. You in, don't pack right? it yeah, in. That, you just awesome. you just keep him from breaking out. You know, you're not just going to say, "Hey, man, yeah. come on!" And you yeah. saw that. I told you to watch the first in the first game. Connor McDavid sliced through them. He they gave him a little bit of room, and he went from center ice all the way to the goal and just cut them up and scored. It was beautiful. There's a reason. There's a reason the rinks in Europe are wider because they understand there's a there's an aesthetic to. Because they're scared of hitting. That's why. And uh, no, they're not. Yeah, that's. That's the stereotype that they're soft, whatever. I get that, right? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Don Cherry. Yeah. But uh, I think <laughs> most people on this planet like some kind of beauty and aesthetic to sport. They just don't want to admit that. Oh, there's but plenty no, of there's plenty that of that. Want, there's plenty of beauty in, in sport. You know what? You want an MM you want an MMA match on ice, and that's fine, and it keeps you up at night, it keeps you happy. Well, you got to do something while you're growing your beard. I appreciate <laughs> What I love about hockey is that there is street justice on the ice. There's none of this posturing in, in basketball or baseball and ugly, you know, mean mugging and all this. No, 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 no. You got a problem? You yeah, and me why celebrate right now, we're solving one, this. Uh, being a 1%. Yeah, yeah. Why, why celebrate just these outlandish uh, athletic feats? Yeah, no, don't that's, celebrate. Because that. that's... Let's all, let's all be... Let's all be from Norway and act like that. Let's all be Protestant. Norway. Buttoned up. Let's not embrace any other uh, form of human culture on the planet and celebrate some of these amazing By the way, celebrating. Connor McDavid never cracks a smile when he scores. He's just he just an angry little ball of hate. Like he's Canadian. Oh no! Oh yeah, yeah. Grain Gretzky never celebrated or had fun. Right? Yeah. No, they all have fun. He's just like Mister. Eh, I'm 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 mean and angry and you know yeah I stuck it to you. You know it's like this. Like have fun, dude. The Golden State Warriors are the one of the most fun teams, uh, smile and joy teams to watch in the, yeah. in the NBA. The one guy in the team that doesn't smile. Andrew Wiggins, he's from Toronto or outside of Toronto. No, I'm I'm completely I'm completely generalizing here. Canadians, Canadians make us laugh every day, right? I mean, the, the sense of humor. I'm kidding about this, of course, All right? Yeah. So that's my favorite thing. It's I I really enjoyed the the Kings coming out of nowhere, uh, and they're missing probably their best player. By the way, Drew Doughty has a wrist injury. He's been out the whole series. Um, so how they're doing this, I have no idea, Sean, other than, you know, limiting, trying to do their best to limit their, their you know, the Oilers' best two players, really. Um, and it just shows you that, you know, there's a way to, there. you can find a way, you know, even if you don't have the best team, they have, by the way, the least experience in the playoffs. They have like, I think 11 players are making their playoff debuts this year. And the, you know, and their next, the next fewest is like six somewhere else in the playoffs. So, you know, no experience. They're too old and too young at the same time. And being able to text with my friends in LA about this, you know, of course I have to stay up till, you know, one thirty in the morning to watch these games. But, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's just really been a lot of fun. Well, that's great. That's my favorite thing too, is that you're having fun. No, no, no. That is you, my you're favorite not thing. You're my favorite thing. No, my favorite thing is that you grew a beard. My second favorite thing is that you are watching your favorite, your hockey play. That's why you're, my, why your you're favorite thing is that I'm watching my favorite thing. No. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. no. My I'm favorite, calling on Jeanette right now. No, no, no. My, it, I'm going to keep this quick. So there's a... Uh, there's a show on HBO called uh, Julia. It's a series about. It's an eight-part series about Julia Child, and it's fantastic. Have you seen it? 
I've seen it. It's beautiful. It, it's, it's really, it's breathtaking in a way that that kind of caught me by surprise. I I had seen the movie with uh, Meryl Streep and um, Amy is it Amy Adams, uh, Julie and Julia, and that and that was fun, especially the the Julia part of it, you know, and with Stanley Tucci. I think it, it should have just been the Julia. It's, they should have gotten rid of Amy Adams, it, and they should no, just for been... sure. No, no offense to her, but no, for sure, that was the, the weakest part of the movie by far. Meryl Streep was good, but I never and I, and I, Meryl Streep is obviously a fabulous actress. I never quite forgot it was Meryl Streep, even though you know she did a. She, I think she won an Oscar, was nominated for an Oscar. It's just how it goes with her. But anyway, um, that was fun. And then I watched a couple of months ago, back in all that tournament travel, I watched the documentary about Julie Childs on a, on a flight and her child in Pasadena and all that. And that was really interesting. So when I saw this series, I was thinking I may have had enough Julia. You know, and I'm it, right. I may have had enough, and I thought I'll give it a I'll give it a shot. And the actress who plays Julie Child, Sarah Lancashire, who's British, English, is just she's just um, remarkable. And I I had seen her in a detective show. You should watch this here. It's called Happy Valley. It's a really great British detective show. She plays a sort of a lead cop in a smaller community up in northern England. It's it's amazing. But anyway, just this um, this idea in this series, which I don't think was part of the movie. The documentary sort of got into this and her iconic and what she's changed. I mean, I, I knew what she did for American Palettes and what she did for uh, American Cooking and what an iconic figure. She was kind of like a feminist figure in a lot of ways, too, in, in a really understated way that's really interesting. But just this idea, Carlos, that in your 50s, that you could find something like that, that you could become something that you could you can step into your dream in a way that at, at a time in most of our most of our lives, I mean, you and I are there. You you don't think like that, right? So for her to do that, especially in that era, and to become who she became and to have the influence, it's just it's really stunning. And um and obviously you can talk about the technical part of the show, the acting, the way it's cut, the way it's edited. It's it's really something to watch. It's it's there's even tension in it, even though you know it's going to happen, and that's never easy to do. But it's just that idea, Carlos, of finding and that discovery at that part of your life, that point of your life. Excuse me. It's uh, it's it's really overwhelming to think about it. In any case, that was that's my favorite thing. I'm glad you've watched that too. It's a really it's a really um, you know insightful you know um, show. Uh, very, very well done. It gets better as it goes on, and and I think you you mentioned the feminist thing, and there's a really great episode toward the end where she has kind of a confrontation with a feminist author at the time, Betty Friedan, and it brings the whole thing, the whole idea together, the whole idea out of are you really doing what's best for women at the time? You know, trying to elevate, you're trying to elevate cooking, yet you're putting a a stronger. Um, burden on housewives of the 1950s and 60s at the time of having to prepare not only dinner but a really elevated dinner which takes a lot of time um to do and there's a very interesting conversation about that um that she has um so it's a really it's a deep show um and one of my favorite things about it is that they kind of had a mini Frasier reunion between David Hyde Pierce and B.B. Newworth in it um they get some nice scenes together um the, the scene with James Beard when she goes to see him in San Francisco, the, the episode, really great. 
uh, yeah, it's a fantastic show. So I'm really looking forward to to the second season. No, the uh, Paul Child, uh, who's played by the actor you you just mentioned from Frasier, David Hyde Pierce, has a great line where he's he's finally kind of coming around to the idea of her her fame and and and, and how attached he struggles with it. He does at first, but and he finally says it's a great line. He's uh, I'm, I'm going to botch a little bit, but just this idea. He says to Julia, "You're teaching a, a, a Americans." how to taste life right and and they're listening and just the influence of that is um yeah it's 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 really something in any case we'll uh we'll talk about food on another show right <laughs> soon we'll, we'll, yeah we'll yeah we'll, we'll, we're gonna get some uh, food people back carlos uh it's been a pleasure as always i'm glad you're feeling a little bit better it's good to have you back andrew's gonna knock my name off the uh the title i hope that makes you feel better <laughs> I thought you were going to call me Chris. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Well, listen, uh, again, a pleasure. I want to thank you all for listening. We want to thank Andrew for speaking, and uh, hopefully we'll hear more from him as we as we move forward. Uh, we want to keep his mama happy. That's part of it, obviously, right, Carlos? And we want to keep you happy, Carlos, but mostly we want to keep the listeners happy, so we're going to leave because we've taken up enough of your time. Just we're so we're getting mostly, we mostly want to keep Anjanette happy. Yeah, well, that that too, that too, that too. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get those bills paid. So we will uh, we will call a call it call it a week here, my man. We will be back next week. We want to thank, of course, Andrew Hammond who produces the show. We want to thank Anjanette because we have not thanked her enough or mentioned her enough. Anjanette Delgado, that is the uh, the executive editor of this podcast and the Free Press, and uh, I don't know Michigan. She probably running for governor and hadn't hadn't told us yet. We want to thank Kirkland Crawford, our sports editor, and of course Peter Batia, Batia, excuse me, the editor of the Free Press. You can find us, Carlos, as you know this, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify. When you get there, uh, you know, give us a rating. Tell us what you think. Give us a shout out or give us a, 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 a criticism. Call us out. Hey, we welcome all of it. Again, uh, thanks for spending a little bit of time. We'll be back next week.